0: Hey everybody, welcome to Regardless, You've Got This. I'm your host, Skylar Sorkin. Say hello to the syllabus for your 20-something soul. The syllabus you never received in college is finally making an appearance. This podcast will inspire you to create your very own 20-something syllabus, ultimately guiding you towards your soul purpose regardless of self-doubt and what others think. All righty let's just get to work. Welcome back to Regardless, the syllabus for your 20-something soul and beyond. I cannot believe we are already in season two, episode 14. And today we celebrate a very, very special guest with just 40 minutes. Let's get right to it. Everyone, please give a warm, warm welcome to Dawn Legans, who is the Chief of Global Strategy and Innovation at Planned Parenthood. Dawn guides strategy, innovation, insights, digital products at Planned Parenthood Global, and she's previously served as Planned Parenthood's Executive Vice President and Chief Brand Officer. Dawn is a frequent media spokesperson and presenter at top global conferences, including Week, Aspen Spotlight Health. The Fortune Tech Summit, South by Southwest, Rock Health, Girl Boss, and TEDx. She is really a champion of emerging technology and personally led the production of Across the Line, an award winning virtual reality experience that debuted at Sundance Film Festival. And for two years, Dawn was an expert in residence at IDEO, the world leading human centered design firm, where she worked alongside global designers creators, and problem solvers to imagine and prototype the socially responsible organizations, corporations, and technology needed for a healthier and happier future for both people and the planet. Dawn, welcome to Regardless. I am beyond honored that you're sharing your voice here with me today.
1: Well, Skylar, thank you so much. I've, I think, been listening to three or four of the episodes and I'm just super inspired. I want to know all the people that you've interviewed and what a nice introduction. Thank you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here, especially just the timing of of this conversation is so important to me and my following and the fact that you're taking the time to be here is just so humbling. And it's no secret that one of your values is impact. And I think it's so beautiful that you're really cultivating impact every day in your career and of course your personal life. So do you mind sharing with us, Dawn, how you were able to pinpoint your value system and really bring this to life, not only in your personal life, but also in your career?
1: It's it's funny because you're gonna you actually know a lot about yourself when you're nine, it turns out. I think (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. and when I looked at my own kids and what I see, I think back on my own life and my siblings and everything, you say like, wow, a nine-year-old, it's not everything and you can change, but a lot of what you think and know and believe are, the seeds are really germinating then. And in third grade, I started a student council because Mm -hmm. the playground rules were unfair to girls. Mm. And they had girls on one side and boys on the other. And of course, all the fun equipment was on the boys' side. I think they thought we were just going (laughs) to sit around and chat or something. And so got some other girls together and we started leading raids over to the boys' side. And then they would kick us off, the teachers, and we'd get in trouble. And then we started a student council and we did petitions. And Mm. and really, that's who I turned out to be. Mm. (laughs) Someone who hates, hates hates injustice and knows that you're going to have to lead some raids in order to change some things. And luckily, been was able to find people to connect with, which is if I were contributing to that syllabus for your 20-something soul, it is find people who believe like you do and have each other's backs and go out and fight for the world you want.
0: Mm, Beautiful. In college, did you that you wanted to, like, what was your major impact focus? Like, do you mind sharing a little bit more with us? No, about
1: so keep going yeah. on from third grade. And I was always, you know, very super active in organizations and student council and all those kinds of things and was a student council president and went to LSU we can talk about this because maybe this is also important information for your audience which is i'm a college dropout i went to college for a long time but i never made it end up being a degree i can tell you why but
0: tell me why
1: <laughs> we'll get to that because okay. one of my thing is learn how to drink a beer with anyone and i was plenty good at it but i uh, would say I I went to school. I was the speaker of the student assembly. I was the president of the student union. I was studying journalism and philosophy, politics. Actually, the reason I really didn't get my degree was I skipped over a few of those 1000 level classes Mm. in geology and some other things that I now love. But at the time, I would be like oh I'm gonna go do this or go do that or go work at the union or go hang out and then I went to New Orleans ended up getting a job running a foundation and I kept saying to myself oh I'm gonna go finish up those last couple of classes right just over here at the University of New Orleans and then I would get a call that said hey will you come talk to the mayor's office about 500 summer jobs for young people and i was if you could see me now i'm holding up one hand going huh, geology 1000 or 500 summer jobs for young people and you can bet what what i went to i went to that meeting so at some point i just kept working and i was involved with campaigns and i end up running a campaign against a evil nazi clan man named david duke who was one of the really early well-known white supremacist people who ran for office and fomented uh, all kinds of trouble in Louisiana. And so I got pulled deeper and deeper into the career that I was going toward. And then nobody asked me, did I have a college degree? Pretty much the rest of my life. So I, I do recommend a college degree. All three of my triplets have just graduated from college. So, oh, amazing. I'm, but I'm saying you can get there a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah. I love that. Thank you for bringing that to light. I think that's so important. And sometimes, especially in our twenties, a lot of kids rely too heavily that their identity is school and they kind of lose what they're really passionate about and actually who they are, and even our, in our career. I think a lot of us are solely defined by what we do. And there's so much more to us than just that. So Absolutely. beautiful. And I can only imagine, it's so funny. I was just, Dawn, talking to my mom about this because she's a marriage and family therapist about how she really separates her clients and some of the problems that she listens to all the time and how she also finds time to take care of herself. And so I can only imagine, this is totally transferable to you, that throughout your career, there are probably times, and still are, that are extremely tough emotionally. I mean, you're not only the hero to thousands and thousands of young women and families, but you're also like human. And that means navigating through your own adversities and attending to your own needs. And so I'm curious, what is this like for you? And how were you able and are able to really compartmentalize serving the community as well as taking care of yourself and your family?
1: I think if you ask my family, they might say I could have done a bit better of a job. I maybe should have (laughs) talked to your mom about it is hard when you're in this kind of job. And before this, I was a political consultant, a democratic media and strategy consultant working for campaigns and some of the best political people around the country and knowing it made such a difference who is in office. Right. Wow. And so you would be away a lot. And of course I have my wife and I have triplet daughters. And so I have to do a shout out to my amazing wife who had her own career and does have her own career and also really took the the brunt of the early child rearing and and keeping our family whole and just an amazing job so thankful to her and of course i love my family and being with them is is such a joy and was something that helped you forget sometimes about the world and all the challenges that are in it and lord knows we are definitely in challenge land right now and of course you have to have uh if you are in the fight for abortion rights and you talk about your own abortion which I do a lot and talk about how everyone should have the right to it and all of the sexual reproductive health and rights topics you have to have thick skin because believe me people will be on your Instagram and your Facebook and everything else with some pretty nasty stuff but I will say going all the way back to college one of the great things at LSU. And and today, it's a contentious thing. And of course, I don't think we should go out attacking individuals. And and I think we should be careful with each other's feelings. Mm. And there was a place called Free Speech Alley. at mm. uh, And I spent a lot of time there at LSU, learning how to stand up for my views, how to have other people attack your views and mm. not have it completely compromise my identity and i i kind of treasure that and 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 also i feel like i don't know if it's being from new orleans or being from the south or whatever i said learn how to have a learn how to drink a beer or coke or whatever with anyone and also to argue with them and i i have found that over the years being able to again sit in a an airport or a park or on a train or just wherever Mm -hmm. with somebody and talk to them and then I think at the end of it go huh that is just not what I imagined a southern lesbian abortionist would be
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm.
1: and so being able to find something that connects you to people and that's within limits because lord knows there's just some people who are not going to give that back and are going to be too harsh for people to even tolerate. But for a lot of people, you can find something to talk about that then opens the door to a little bit more understanding. And I feel like over the years, people who have opened their minds and changed their minds about some of these ideas because of those conversations.
0: Wow. Dawn, I mean, I can only imagine how much you've gone through being a part of the LGBTQ community, having a family, and you mentioned you experienced having an abortion yourself. And that probably, if correct me if I'm wrong, probably also fueled your work and your inspiration to solve and create change. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about this personal experience, if, if, if you're feeling inspired to. Yeah,
1: not at all. Yeah. I don't mind at all. I'm that abortion, I say, both saved and changed my life. And I was a freshman in college. I had a birth control failure and I was pregnant and I was contemplating am I going to be a single parent at 18 and a half or whatever? And what What about the dreams I have to fight for the world? And I was, of course, also at that time kind of unraveling and and understanding my own personal sexual identity, and that was not fully shaped. And so today I would not have the career that I have. I would not have the family that I have. I would not have the, the opportunities that I've had without the opportunity that that abortion and that abortion provider. So I want to say thank you to whoever that abortion provider was who no doubt had had faced stigma and had had their own challenges that they have to overcome to provide that care to me. So I in a lot of ways do feel like I have a responsibility to Pass it on uh, mm-hmm. through my advocacy, and also knowing that our, our president, at Planned Parenthood, and this is a personal podcast, not a one I'm doing for Planned Parenthood, but I love that Alexis McGill Johnson, our the president of Planned Parenthood, talks about your understanding that your body is your own as fundamental to democracy. Mm. right? that 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 is that identity that we have as human beings who get to actually say what our destiny is and make decisions about ourselves and yep. for ourselves and to have a vote. Those things are all connected
0: mm. Mm. And that includes sexual health. That includes making decisions as a woman, for your body, for your future. Exactly. It's so interesting how that gets lost in the sauce. Yeah. How is that not all interconnected?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I think these days we have to talk about it uh, a lot because we see not only our our bodies under assault, our democracies under assault. And I don't see those as things that are separate from each other. I think they are very connected, white supremacy, patriarchy, all of that.
0: One hundred and million percent. Dawn, when you're looking at a problem, looking at the state of our democracy in our world right now, how, like, as the chief of global strategy and innovation at Planned Parenthood, and I'm saying that again because I cannot believe you're on my podcast right now, (laughs) (laughs) you are always problem solving for our world, whether it's mental health, physical health, equality, wellness, you name it. I think being a problem solver and being very solution savvy are both qualities that are essential to to grow and to make change and think outside the box. So when you're looking at a problem, like let's say you're looking at democracy or how Planned Parenthood could support freedom for young women, how do you tap into your solution mode process one first step. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that they they talk a lot about at IDEO and I I went to IDEO for a couple of years because I just love their work at IDEO and IDEO.org, where mm-hmm. I'm now on the board of IDEO.org, where we work to bring human centered design to nonprofits and movements all over the world or they do and I'm happy to be be part of that is that go wide before you go narrow. Mm. And so try to find, put out as many ideas. It's the old brainstorming, but it really is. How can you open that aperture as wide as possible to not eliminate anything Mm. at the beginning? Because sometimes in most outrageous outlandish thinking is just a seed That when planted in some other dirt of some other idea is going to be the thing that's Jack and the Beanstalk growth type of thing. But you would have never found that seed if you were like, well, that'll never work. I don't know about that. Like try not to evaluate right from the get-go. Assess the circumstance, then go out and look for things that are analogs to your problem and look at the extremes. There's a great example that, that they talk about from, from the work there at Idea where they offered, they were trying to design a can opener or some other kitchen type thing for a big manufacturer. And what they did was they went and spoke with chefs on the one hand, and they went and talked to people with significant mobility and issues and they were able to create something that actually was able to satisfy them both. They learned from both edges of that spectrum. And so I just, those are the kinds of things. So I'm always pushing myself to live in that human centered design frame, really think from the perspective and try to actually be in the shoes of people who Mm -hmm. are going to benefit from or need the solution. And, not to think that your limited perspective is going to be able to solve for that. I also think at some point you have to make decisions, right? And you can over-index, over-analyze if you're not careful. And if you have an iterative mindset, if you are doing small experiments, learning from them, then doing the next thing, it doesn't matter if the first thing's not perfect. So I see a lot of young people today with what I call analysis paralysis, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, I don't know, I have to pick the perfect first job. And if it's not perfect, then my whole life, or I got to get into the perfect school, or I've got, I've got, I've got to, and actually I think you learn as much from making those bad or or not even bad, just not perfect first decisions. And in some cases, you'll be, look back and say, that was a perfect first decision mm-hmm. because it got me to learn about this or learn I didn't like that or meet this person who five years later showed back up in my life and hired me or coached me or married me or whatever they they did and my first the the jobs I say were most formative in my life were waiting tables and being a camp counselor wow I learned some of the most really? important things that I know and do today being in that kind of got to juggle a lot when you are waiting tables you got to have a good memory oh. you got to have a if you want to make money, you got to have a friendly personality, right? You've got to be able to engage people. You've got to be able to keep things straight. You got to move fast. You got to work with colleagues. You got to have other people's back and being a camp counselor. Very similarly, how to build a staff. I was a head counselor at a summer camp, how to build that staff, how to get the very best out of each person Mm. who works for you, because you have a choice. You're going to either be irritated by the worst thing about somebody, or you can pick the very best thing and try like heck to make that and lean into that strength. So I think those are just some of the things you might keep an eye on when you're a young person and say, ah, waiting tables. No, I look to see if people waited tables. I think that makes them great folks later on. The other one is team sports. I always played sports. I still play tennis on a team today and get so much value out of that so much so camaraderie much. everything yeah
0: yeah i mean even looking at the trajectory of my life i mean i grew up as a, a ballet dancer and just the discipline in that the skills that i learned there i mean i would not be who i am today without ballet or even working in a restaurant or things that i thought wasn't right for me in the moment or wasn't the perfect next step it all happens for a reason and and once you're able to look back you can kind of put the pieces together but sometimes when you're right in the problem or making the decision it it becomes so much more overwhelming than it really actually is
1: exactly and
0: our society puts a
1: lot of pressure and of course when i was this boy this really dates me but i was grew up before the cell phone before the internet, all the things. I had the very first Apple computer, I had a pager, all those things. And we didn't have the, I think the measurement pressure that so many young people have today because of social media. And I do think those social media detox things are, are really helpful for you to step back at least a little bit and just say, okay, who am I? separate from all of that is uh, it it can get the best of anybody, but I think we're seeing at a societal level, some of the impacts and uh, we just really didn't have a sense of how this was going to take over people's lives, our societies and, and create kind of these giant angry tribes of people.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of positive, but also negative aspects. I mean, Look at social media, its effect on mental health, to eating disorders, to self-comparison, to not feeling enough, to suicide, all the things, just having this constant accessibility to information and other people's lives can be extremely overwhelming when we're not even asking for it. But then there's also beauty in it because there's so much information and community um, and inspiration and family, and values that can be shared, and I'm, I've been thinking a lot about your role at Planned Parenthood, and after learning a little bit more about what your solution mode process looks like, I'm curious, when you are faced with a brutal situation that's not only emotionally exhausting in your career, but also, of course, affects your personal life. How do you as a team player and a leader step up and really lead when your team is feeling down or like you guys have failed or didn't see the results that you perhaps wanted to see? What does this look like for you?
1: Yeah, I definitely am a glass three quarters of the way full type of person. So perhaps more than the half full, I really see that we're, in my view, we're lucky to be in the fight Mm. and that Mm. so many people come up to me and say, I wish I knew something to do, or if I could get involved, but my career or my family, all legitimate things mean I can't. Is there anything I can, I feel like every day I am super blessed to work with a bunch of freedom fighters who Mm. are inspiring to me. Hopefully I'm inspiring to them. Hopefully they know that when we don't succeed, you know, there's always going to be setbacks in the fight for justice. And so, and and there's always going to be setbacks, right? People are yeah. just going to face setbacks. And I, I did want to say, I do agree with you on social media that it has a lot of pluses and we just know it has some minuses and we just have to be really aware of those. But But in terms of that, one, reminding people of the successes that we have had, learning, I think as long as you are learning, you are winning, right? As long as you are stepping back and saying, okay, what do we learn? What are we going to change? It also means don't invest every single thing of your identity, right? In one thing. Mm. And whether that's one battle or one job or one relationship, right? You, You are more than that. You are many things. And Thank goodness, as I tell my tennis teammates, I don't, my whole identity is not tied up in my tennis game because (laughs) it it would really suffer. But yeah, I, I think that's important. I also think that having some fun and when you're together and in a team is also really, really important. And then being, being realistic as you set those, I mean, being ambitious, like boldly, wildly ambitious, and also realistic about we're in a big fight. And again, we're going to have some, some setbacks and we're going to face some things we didn't plan for. And so that's okay. And we're still going to hold those goals steady and Mm -hmm. we're going to shift how we're attacking them.
0: Mm, I love be lucky to be in the fight. I love that. So cool. I mean, even when you think about experiencing heartbreak or pain, my mom always told me when I was growing up, like, Sky, be so grateful that you can feel these emotions and you can feel that deeply, and you can love that deeply. And so I think approaching it with gratitude and knowing that, you have a seat here and you can vocalize and you can make change that in itself is success.
1: Absolutely. And I would say that also find things that I'm, I'm, I think somewhat well-known in over the years in Planned Parenthood for sending out poems that really, I love poetry and I would just say, Oh, fall in love with something a different mode of operating than you operate in. Like I am not a poet, right? But I, I love poetry. It gives me so much to Mm. think about. It gives me solace in the tough moments. It helps me to step back and be in awe. It reminds me of relationships. It it Mm. gives universal ideas about happiness and pain and it, and some, some people I actually jotted down when I when I first got into poetry, Mark Strand and Claudia Rankin, Mary Oliver, of course, who's a prolific poet well into today, Billy Collins, and then yeah. some of my latest favorites, Amanda Lovelace, Sarah Kay, R.H. Sin. I really urge the listeners, if it sounds like, ah, oh, poetry, you've got to be kidding me, somewhere in that list, you are going to find a poet and a poem that just slays you that makes you cry because it talks about your life in some way that you didn't know anybody could talk about mm. and so and look might not be poetry but but find some other spe- people who speak a different language than you do to help you make sense of all that being human is about
0: I'm speechless. That was beautiful. Beautiful, Dawn. There's this one poem that I love. Poet, excuse me. I'm blinking on his name right now. He's awesome. He does a lot of like spiritual related personal growth, personal development poems. I can't remember his name, but I will email you him. I think you would love him. I'm I'm sure you probably know who he is. He's very famous, but he's one of my favorites. And I I couldn't agree more. And I think also what you said about not investing everything into just one identity. I think it's important to know that you are a dynamic human being. And just because you have a nine to five job and you spend most of your time working, that doesn't mean that's all you, that you have to bring and gift to this world and not putting all of your eggs in one basket and reminding yourself of Your worth is just you being, and I think a lot of us forget that, especially with all the pressure that's put on us by society, our parents, our teachers, you name it, that just by being, you are beautiful, and finding different languages to connect to, and, and finding different ways to present yourself through artistry, or music, or dance, or movement, I think that's also extremely healing in a way to get to know yourself even yeah. more. Too.
1: And those are those are different languages, right? And yeah. you're so you're so right Skylar very very wise commentary there. People are always figuring it out. People always. are always becoming. This weekend I was with my three daughters. We had the final two graduating from college each of their colleges and one who graduated last year. And so the three of them who are definitely figuring it out, right? At this yeah. moment in their life and what am I gonna do and how do, how do I do it? And what is, who do I talk to about doing I mean, they have all those questions and we're with my 94-year-old mother. And guess yeah. what? She's figuring out how to be 94. Yes. She's figuring out how to be, A person in a body that doesn't do what she wants it to do anymore, right? She's trying to figure out how to be a person every day in the same way they are, in the same way I am. And so I I just think it's, we always think somebody else has it figured out. And I'm here to tell you, my 20-year-old self and y'all's 20-year-old selves, they don't. Everybody is in a process of creation Everyone is a little bit faking it. Everyone is a little bit hoping that you'll like them. Mm. Right. And, and often they're just not paying that much attention to you also, because I know that's what a lot of people worry about is what does somebody think of me? What is, do they like my outfit? They're not looking at your outfit. They're worried. You don't like their outfit. Right. I think it's really important. And I'm an expert in doing things that most people would find embarrassing. And I really like doing them. And of course my children hate it, but (laughs) if you can become a person who is unafraid to help people laugh and, and take a joke, it really is. Um, you you'll have so much more freedom in your life.
0: I agree, Dawn, you would appreciate this. It was Halloween this past year and I I mean, I just grew up watching SNL and I've been very fortunate to have a family that just has always embraced me for me and to just let me be unapologetically myself and stems from them, from my parents. But this past Halloween, my girlfriends, they were like, let's be Barbies for Halloween. And I'm like, you guys, like personally, I'm a little bit exhausted from like keeping up being a woman and putting on makeup when I don't want to, and just always looking pretty. And I'm like, what? I'm going to show up as Ken. So I did not tell any of them. They all dressed up as Barbies. I like walked in the front door, dressed head to toe as Ken. And it was the most memorable, fun night I probably have ever had. And also just from my friends, the labs that we shared and just do you be you because it puts a smile on other people's faces. And it also inspires other people to be themselves and to not take each other so seriously.
1: Yeah. And and again that's that's how we can crash oh. through some of the barriers I think that are dividing us, right? Is to right. we we may not agree on politics and believe me I don't agree with a lot of people, you can imagine, right? Although yep. I think actually let me just say that the data says most people do agree with me when it comes to abortion rights and sexual and reproductive yeah. health you know, three fourths of, of people believe that abortion should be legal in this country. And that number just keeps going up. The more mm-hmm. that these right wing conservative politicians are trying to make it illegal and putting people's lives at risk. Horrible. And, and really, are, it's, it's becoming a very dangerous situation for people in this country. But on many other things, I feel like hey, I I just don't have to dislike you or be in a constant state of anger with everyone around me. And if I was, I don't think I'd be very effective at my job because having some other perspectives sometimes and being able to talk to that person again who doesn't share my beliefs or views helps me then to engineer solutions and innovations that either work around those people Mm. or maybe change their minds.
0: Mm. Dawn, I have a question for you. And this is going to, this is a question that I particularly need. And I'm asking you because I think it would be extremely helpful and I'm being totally transparent here, but sometimes when I'm in a situation and I I start to get heated a little bit, I either feel triggered and I feel like I have to defend or protect myself from someone, whether it's it's an argument or a, a disagreement or someone's asking about why I made the decision I made. I find myself wanting to get really reactive. And I'm assuming that this is something that you probably experience on a daily basis. How do you find like the time to pause perhaps and respond in a very heartfelt, non-reactive way.
1: It is something you can practice. So I think that I am probably highly practiced at this level. Also, I think people who, again, participated in a lot of things like debate and mm. and free speech alley in places where you kind of had a structured argument if you will right yeah. where you, you you there were kind of rules about engagement and of course I think so much more engagement today is around identity and there are true attacks on people's identity that mm. we have now named it's not that those attacks weren't happening but we've now named them and we've told people hey you don't have to take that Right. And appropriately, I mean, if if someone, one, feels like they are being attacked in a way that is going to compromise them emotionally or physically, they need to extricate themselves from that. Right. We, we yeah. all know that. And also, you can build for other types of arguments that don't go to that level. You can build resilience, I think for Mm -hmm. standing in for your values Mm -hmm. and also knowing that you, you don't have to convince the other person, right? It's probably maybe not in your power, right? But I do think it's a little like judo, which is how I try to think about it, which is how can I pull them toward me in Mm -hmm. a way that destabilizes them, that shakes up something about the way they expected the conversation to go, that they expected me to be or expected me to say. Mm -hmm. They expect me to yell at them or not like children or I don't know, all kinds of crazy things that they have these expectations of who I might be. And so when I don't do those things, it's almost like a little bit of a opening there where they then are like huh and then I'm like hey do you whatever or oh I noticed or it sounded like right and mm -hmm. and so there are some techniques too that people have and that that folks can practice and also develop just their own style of that that happens to be my style but Mm -hmm. maybe there's maybe there's some little helpful tidbit in there I hope
0: no I I think so and I think shaking and shifting a narrative, someone's narrative or their reality is kind of similar to shifting a culture. And how have you, Planned Parenthood, really shifted a culture of yes, but to really yes, and? How are you doing that?
1: Well, Planned Parenthood, a 106 years old, so as awesome. you can imagine, has to reinvent itself yeah, on the regular, for new generations, mm. right? And need to bring along our past supporters. But as we change and grow, and Planned Parenthood's not a perfect organization. And many of the legacy organizations that were started a long time ago are rooting out racism and ableism and all the the different things that, that exist in and get in in the roots and you got to do some weeding and some pulling out and you have to say there's also some beautiful flowers and how do we protect those and carry them forward and so I think Planned Parenthood is practiced at it and I also think deeply deeply believing in its Mission and identity. And it practices in reality, it doesn't just say your body and your pleasure are your own. It practices that every day through 600 plus health centers and thousands of clinicians and people who run our health centers who every day show you how your body is your own, give you your body back when it's been hurt, keeping it healthy, and then standing up for everyone's right and ability to have that feeling. So it's doing those two things together that I think is the superpower of Planned Parenthood to be yes and.
0: Thank you, Dawn. Thank you to you and Planned Parenthood for building this for us in our generation. It's beyond empowering.
1: Well, I
0: I definitely would say that
1: Planned Parenthood has your back. And if you're in whatever age, uh, wherever you live, and online and in person and chat bots and text chat and just everything you can imagine, Built and being built to reach and support people wherever they are in their life and wherever they are in this country and even around the world. And so definitely encourage folks to check out Planned
0: Parenthood. I will. I'm going to add everything into my show notes so they can just click onto one link and all the information will be there.
1: Fantastic.
0: Dawn, I'm curious if you could go back to your younger self when she was deciding whether or not to go forward with the abortion what is something you wish you could have told her
1: don't look back i think i mean i i mean i i was pretty sure when i found out that i was pregnant that that, that was the direction i was headed but there's a lot of stigma and shame. And and I think I would have said, talk, it's not the having the abortion, but it was, I think I didn't talk about it for a long time after. And not because I thought it was the wrong decision, but because I thought I'd be attacked, stigmatized, shamed. And I think we have to give credit to a lot of organizations and particularly in the reproductive justice community who have been championing people telling their stories. Now, since I work at Planned Parenthood, I very quickly, once I was working at Planned Parenthood, I was much more forthcoming about it. But so many people I meet and they say, I'm telling you and I've never told anyone. And they've carried that for 40 years or 20 years or however long. And so it's still a real thing, and and organizations like Shout Your Abortion have really, and I hope you'll drop their link into. I will. I will. Uh, They're terrific, and many other organizations who are doing similar work to help people set that shame and stigma aside and be proud of the life that they've chosen. Mic
0: drop. Beautiful. Dawn, last section as we wrap up today's episode, I would love to quickly introduce you to Syllabus Steps. This is really a time for us to recap what we've learned from your personal journey and how we can actually integrate that insight into our lives. So quickly, do you have any tools, books, resources, podcasts that have been helpful to you throughout your journey as the chief innovation lead? And also, throughout your your late twenties,
1: wow, well, as I said, I, I kind of, I guess in, interpreted that early with the poetry yes, books, yeah. because again, those have really, really been a, a big part of my life. A book that I love of the last few years and I think is great for people who want to make a difference, is a book called "Lean Impact" mm. by Anne May Chang. And I think that really is another place that I lean on in terms of innovation and making sure that we're keeping our focus and using every dollar that we have and using every idea to have the absolute most impact possible. Uh, well, I'm, I listen to so many podcasts, but you'll crack up. One of the things when we talked about what kind of helps you get through Sometimes yep. when I I I love Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'm addicted to it. I listen to every episode because I have found that despite not attending that geology 1000 and other p- potential science classes that I skipped back in college, I've become a complete science.
0: I love class. it. And, I love uh, it.
1: So again, old dogs, new tricks, the whole thing. So awesome. But it's a great podcast and there's many science podcasts that I really, really love. And of course I do listen to quite a few of the various political uh, podcasts. There's also a great podcast called disrupt yourself, Love that. Um, which is a really great podcast that I can recommend. Yeah. And as you know, I'm not really, it's not so much the metaverse, but very into Web three and, yep. and some other things
0: like that. So a lot of that kind of stuff as well. So cool, Don. Thank you. And then the final question to tie it all back into. Regardless, I'm going to give you a little fill in the blank. So fill in the blank here for me, please. Regardless of blank, I am blank. Ooh. Regardless of the
1: obstacles, I am resolute.
0: Oh. That was my first time ever hearing that word on this podcast. I love it. Don, you are a rock star, a superhuman on planet Earth, and I am again so humbled that you spent some time with me on Regardless today. And I cannot wait to give this to my following. Well,
1: thank you. It was a total pleasure and I have Luckily, had the great pleasure of meeting you in person and know the force that you are and that you're bringing this opportunity and conversation forward is just terrific. And I wish you all the best. And I can't wait till our paths cross again.
0: Thanks for listening to Regardless. I hope you've learned something from this month's Soul Conversation and will apply it to your very own syllabus. Join me next month for a new guest, a new tool, and a new perspective. If you found value in this podcast, please empower your tribe by sharing, leaving a comment, review, and or subscribe. Catch new episodes on the second and fourth week of every month on all major audio podcast platforms. For more information about my life and updates about the podcast, head to my Instagram at Skylar Sorkin and at regardlessthepod. Thank you for tuning into Regardless. Thank you for being vulnerable and talking about the uncomfortable. Now go kick some ass.